So let's just get into the Word. Father, we thank You tonight that Your Word is so real and so true. I thank You, Lord, that Your people tonight have ears to hear, eyes that see and hearts that understand, and that they're on the receiving end of Your Word, and that signs follow those who believe Your Word. And I believe that tonight for each and every person. We give You praise and glory, and everybody said amen and amen. Well, we've been on a series on Sundays, and I've shared this, I think this is the second Wednesday that I've shared the same thing, and uh, just kind of adding to it, I can't get away from this, God just saying it's really, really, really important that we look at the source of all fear, where fear has come from, and how to deal with fear, and how to get rid and remove fear, because truth be told, we've been taught how to fear. Fear did not come from God. You were not you were not created to live in fear. You were not created to, as we talked about Sunday, you were, you were not created to fear death and be afraid of dying because dying was not part of the plan. We were created to live forever. And through our second birth in Jesus Christ, we're living forever. Amen? We're living forever. In it, and throughout all eternity, we're living with God in heaven. And heaven is a real place. And, and we need to realize that. We need to understand it. And, and we need to understand how vital it is in this life to be free from fear. And, and that fear have no place in us. And so we're going we're gonna to touch on a couple other things tonight. I want to look at Psalm 34. It's kind of been our foundation scripture. We're just going to read verse 4 tonight. Psalm 34 and 4. <clears throat> Subtitle of my tonight of this series on the source of all fear um, is love equals trust. And you'll see where I'm going with that. Where did I tell you to go? Oh, 34, yeah. Thought I moved it. Psalm 34 and verse 4. I sought the Lord. And he heard me, and he delivered me from all of my fears. David said, I sought the Lord. I grew close to God. I, I understood more of God. I spent more time realizing who God is and what his nature is. I sought the Lord, and he heard me. And I haven't pointed this out, but, but I want to say this. It's, it takes faith to believe that a being that is invisible that you have no tangible proof that He's real, it takes faith to believe that He heard you when you pray or you ask Him for something. It takes great faith. David said, I sought the Lord, and He heard me, and He delivered me from all of my fears. So I believe, I believe that what David was saying to us was, God didn't deliver me from 75% of my fears. He didn't deliver me from all fear except the big ones. He delivered me from all fear. So if God, if God delivered David from all fear, and we've read in Scripture in the last few services that fear is not of God, then we don't need any fear in our life. Amen. And if, you don't, if God didn't give us fear, and, we, and, and, and if He didn't give us fear, then we don't have to have fear and the question that we have to ask ourselves, can we live our lives totally, totally independent from fear? Can we live? We have to ask ourselves that. 
Because I said to you Sunday, nobody, nobody can make you fear. Fear is a choice. It's what you yield to. Nobody, no human being can make you fear. They may influence you. They may do things to try to encourage you in that way. They may, people may say things. They may act certain ways, you know, and there's all different types of fear, but nobody can make you be afraid. It's a choice. So if you can choose, if, if, if fear is a choice, then to not fear is a choice. So if, if I can choose to fear, then I can choose not to fear, and that means I can choose not to fear every single time. But we have to understand the source of fear, where it comes from, as we've been talking about. Started in the garden. Started with Adam and Eve. There was no fear until they did what? They sinned. Until they disobeyed God. There was no fear until then. So for 4,000 years, humanity had a mentality that God was mad at them. Humanity looked at God as though God was mad at them and didn't love them. And, 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 and when Jesus Christ came, the Bible said God so loved you and me that He gave Jesus. And what Jesus produced, He was, he, he was the manifestation of the Father's love personified. And, and what that produced for you and I is a liberty and a freedom and tonight we're going to talk about how that understanding the love of God creates a trust inside of us that causes fear to go. Amen? Can you, I'm a little hot. Can you tone me down? I mean, I know I'm hot, but you know. <clears throat> um, so I want to look, I want to start in Mark chapter 4. I'm just going to look at a few things tonight. Mark chapter 4, and I want to read a story here. How many in here know that 2 plus 2 equals 4? How do you know that? You were taught that, right? Somewhere you were taught that 2 and 2 more or four. Will two and two more ever be five? No? How do you know? You were taught that, right? I'm telling you, you were taught to fear. Don't, you know, don't, don't start thinking, well, you know, my mom did, my dad, no, 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 no. I'm just telling you, you were taught to fear because we were born into fear. You were taught to fear. So if you were taught to be afraid, can you be taught to not be afraid? Amen. Yeah. Right? That's all we're doing here. That's all we're doing right here. Where did I tell you to go? I knew that. I just want to make sure you did. Mark 4 and verse 35. <clears throat> and on the same day when evening had come, he said to them, to his disciples, Jesus did, let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat. The disciples took Jesus in the boat with him, as he was. And other little boats were also with them, and a great windstorm arose. So, we see that it was the will of God. Jesus only did what Father told him to do, so he never did anything. 
I'm talking about getting in a boat and going to the other side or anything. He never did anything except what the Father's will was. So he's training and teaching us. So there are certain things that God has told you to do. He told them to go to the other side. God's told you to do specific things, okay? And as you're doing the things you're doing, you're doing what the will of God is for your life. We've talked about the will of God to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, and in all things give thanks. That's partly the will of God. If you're working a specific job, you own a business, you do whatever, whatever vocation that you're connected in, if you really believe God has you to do that, then that's God's will for your life today, right now, in advancing His kingdom. And, and what it's really about is not how much money you make, it's how many people's lives that you touch. That's your part of advancing the kingdom. That's where you're at. It's the will of God. So he called you to go. But notice what happened. So, so it was the will of God, and he called him to go in verse 37. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. So the boat was filling up. But, but he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him, and they said to him, Teacher, Everybody say these next four words with me. Ready, read. Do you not care? Do you not care? He was asleep in the stern. There was a storm. I mean, the boat was filling up. But what was not going on inside of Jesus? He was not afraid. Why? Because he was doing the will of the Father. He was not afraid because he was doing what Father told him to do. Do you not care? So number one, there's the will of God that you and I need to be involved in doing. Number two, we have to come to the realization that when we do the will of God, storms will arise. Storms will happen. Things will get stirred up. Stuff will happen to try to do what? What was the storm trying to get the disciples to do? Get in fear and maybe go a different way. Right? And notice what he said. Do you not care that we're what? Perishing. What did we talk about on Sunday? That the fear, the fear that is in most people is the fear of death or destruction. They were afraid they were going to die. Jesus was asleep, and when they woke him up, notice what he said. Oh my gosh, we're going to die. No, he didn't. Then he arose, he rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, Peace, be still. And what happened? The wind ceased. And there was a great calm. And then he said to them, you poor little darlings, I'm sorry that you got afraid. I'm sorry I fell asleep. I was really tired. I had a big day. So, no, he didn't say any of that. Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Wow, he could give them a break. I mean, you know, it's a, I mean, church history says this was a torrential storm. I mean, this was a, 
massive storm. The boat that they were in was not a rowboat. It was, I, I was in a boat. When I was in Israel, I was in a boat, and we were crossing uh, the Sea of Galilee, where they were right here, and we were crossing it in the same size boat that they were in. And it was not a little boat. So this was a big storm, huge storm. So the moral of the story is this. When you start doing the will of God, when you start getting the Word of God inside of you, when you start learning to rejoice in all things, pray without ceasing and in everything give thanks, when you start learning that your life is not about you and what you do is not who you are, your identity is not in your job or what you set your hand to, your identity is in Christ, and when you begin to understand that, storms are going to come. Why? Because they want to get you to quit. The storms come to get you to quit and stop and quit advancing in being the blessing God created you to be on the earth. And if the enemy can get you to yield to the fear, okay, that in the natural, in the spiritual, in God's will, it's not His will for you to be afraid, so the only one that is going to allow fear in your life is you. If you allow fear to remain in your life, it's only because you've yielded to the natural circumstances, to the storms of life, to the situations that try to attempt to arise. So we got to get to the bottom of that. He said, why are you so fearful and how is it that you have no faith? So, a couple things that I want, that I want you to think about. And I want you... But as we go on and as I finish this message tonight, because I have a couple things I think are really important for me to say about this that have to do with this story and two other stories. I'm telling you tonight, you're farther along than you think you are. Just settle that in your spirit right now. You are farther along than you think you are. What we've got to do is not allow any any piece of fear, any little segments of fear, any opportunities that come our way to remain. And that's what I want to talk about. I want to just talk about some practical things that we find ourselves in at times that get us to yield to fear instead of walking in faith. I'm telling you, you will never do anything in life apart from faith. I don't care what it is. In fact, Every time in life that you choose easy street and there's no faith involved, more than likely it's not God. And remember, every time you do the will of God, storms will come. Look, look, at, um, look at 2 Corinthians. Look at this real quick. I just want to read. How many... How many believe that the Apostle Paul, he was Saul and then he became Paul, he was born again on the Damascus Road, how many believe that he did the will of God? You believe the Apostle Paul did the will of God? He, he, he penned two-thirds of this book of the New Testament for you and I to read. Okay? Now, now this is his life. I'm just going to read 
a piece of this. 2 Corinthians 11, you can go look at the rest of it later. Um, Verse 24. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Five times. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of Gentiles, perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, and in the sea, perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the church, for all the churches. Here's the Apostle Paul doing the will of God, and it looks like there were some storms. <laughs> it looks like there was some stuff that came against his life. And you know what the Apostle Paul's testimony of all that stuff is? Many things came against me in different places. But out of them all the Lord delivered me. And you know what he learned? He learned what Jesus already had built inside of him. When the storms came, he resisted them. When the fear came, he resisted the fear. Now, I don't care who you are. If, you, if you've ever lived in a physical body, you ever lived in a physical body, and you're in the middle of the sea in a boat, and the boat is filling up with water, fear is going to come against you. Fear came against Jesus, I promise you, when he was in the boat. And what did he do? He resisted the fear because he knew the will of God. He resisted the fear because he knew the will of God. The will of God was what? We're going to the other side. Storm came to stop them, and he resisted it. We've got to look at fear and storms in life, eyeball to eyeball, and resist them firm in our faith in God, knowing that those storms and situations are just common to mankind. There's not anything that's ever come against you or that you've ever faced that someone else on planet earth has experienced at some other time. Nothing. Nothing. So you can't ever take something as it being original in your life. I promise you it's happened and even worse to someone else. All you got to do is read the Apostle Paul's testimony right there. I mean, I read that right there. I mean, I can tell you of some tough times that I've had, but not all that. And he reads all that, and then he talks about even the daily things of really standing in faith for the churches and, and those kind of things. There's a lot of things that happen. Why? Because he was so determined to do the will of God. And let, let me ask you this. Based on what you and I have every day to be able to read, and he, he was directly responsible for pinning that for us? You think that was a, that was a tall order? <laughs> that was a tall order. Think of the billions of people through the years that have read this book. The best-selling book, bar none of all time, a hundred times over any other book right here. Right here. You don't think he had a tall order? 
But you know what? I'm telling you today, you have a tall order. You and I have a tall order. You know what? And it's twofold. It's to advance the kingdom in our own lives, but it's to advance the kingdom together. That's why church life is so vitally important. I had a guy this week. I had had three different people this week bring this to my attention. I had a guy call me this week, and he told me that. And it doesn't matter who, who, who the person was. It doesn't matter who the person was he was telling me about. But he made this statement to me. He said, uh, you realize that the plan in this nation, that so-and-so has this plan in this nation, that in the next 15 years, there'll be, there's, there's, there's if, if I think I'm right, there's 350 million people in the United States. Is that right? Is that figure right? Anybody know the exact figure? Something like that. 350 million people. He said that 100 100 million Muslims will be in the United States in the next 15 years. 100 million Muslims is what this guy told me. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the first thing I thought of was, well, then we won't have to spend all that money for missionary work overseas. (laughs) They'll just come to us and we'll get them all saved here. Amen. I mean, it just depends on how you look at it, right? And then somebody else told, well, no, there's the same person told me this one. He goes, did you, and did you hear that the Muslims got the, the manger scene on the courtyard in Corpus Christi, Texas removed this last week? Corpus Christi, Texas. Hmm? What's Corpus Christi mean? <laughs> yeah, it's the, it's, 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 it's the city of Jesus. <laughs> and they removed the, they removed the uh, manger scene out of, from the courthouse in Corpus Christi. And, and then someone else told me about Muslims moving in the hill country. And then someone else talked to me about drugs in the hill country and things that are going on and, and, and these different things. But, but in the person that called me this week, in his voice was what? Fear. Fear is not of God. Huh? Fear is not of God. I don't care what someone believes, it doesn't change God. Listen to me. I'm telling you, we're all about politics in this church. We're all about voting for people and supporting people and those kind of things. But I'm telling you what, at the end of the day, if you believe politicians over the Word of God, you're in a hurt of trouble. I'm telling you. And don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I believe in politicians. I believe in voting. I believe in the government system because the Bible talks about it and how vitally important it is to submit to those who are in rule and, and, and authority and leadership. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But I'm telling you, when push comes to shove, I believe the Word. Amen? Over everything else. And we don't have to fight with people about that. You don't have to be arrogant and, and have attitude about that kind of thing. I'm going to believe the Word. No, just believe the Word. Amen? Now, You know, in the, the, so 
so the statement that they had about do you not care, I want, I want, to, I want to nail this tonight as, 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 when we, as we finish this message, I want to nail this down. Do you not care? They asked you, they wake him up and they said, don't you care that we're dying? So they were afraid of dying, okay? If that's not the case, then why would a person be afraid of flying on an airplane? Why would a person be afraid of driving a car in a big city? Why would a person be afraid of cancer coming against their body? Why would somebody be afraid of that? Because they're afraid of dying. We've been taught to be afraid of dying. We've been taught. I don't care. I mean, you, you, if you break this down, what, what, two things I'm going to say at the end of this message is going to be really strong about, about this. But it's the revelation that liberates us from this fear and, and to, we, to, to the place that we get to, to unlearn or unseat this fear that has been, has been established on the inside of us. Um, last couple of days I had to be out of town, went a couple of places, and uh, I, left a, I left a Starbucks coffee cup on my desk. And in the bottom of it was a little bit of coffee about so much that I just didn't drink the last little sip. I hardly ever do that. I mean, just to waste that like that. Man. Huh? I cannot believe I wasted that little piece of coffee. Anyway, it was in the bottom of my cup about so much. So I took the cup when I got back in my office this morning, and I put it under the faucet in my bathroom there and I started filling it up and as I filled it up it was it was real black and then it got less black and less and less and as it got to the top it was just brown and I just let the water run over and it just kept running over and running over and running over you know and after a while it was clear and as I was doing that, I was thinking this. I was thinking this. You can't be full of two things. You cannot be filled up with two different things. And instead of fighting fear, let's feed our faith. And let the water represent faith and the little bit of coffee inside of us represent fear. And let's fill ourselves up with faith and what happens? It rids us of the fear. I'm telling you, you'll never do anything in life that is really going to produce. I'm talking about if you're in this thing to do the will of God. I saw a, 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 just a headline in the news today, and, it, and it's from, from some college, I think, I think it was Harvard, it was in the headline, it says, do Christian young people 
do Christian college students and Muslim college students serve the same God? Well, I'm just, I'm, I'm not talking to a room full of Muslims. Anybody Muslim in here? I'm not talking to a room full of Muslim people. Okay, I'm talking, for the most part, to Christian people sitting here tonight. We know that the Bible says there's only one God. There's not multiple gods, right? So, as we were saying earlier, if there's a hundred million Muslims in the United States in the next 15 years, then our job is to get them all saved. Right? And it's not to go after the Muslim religion, but it's to feed by faith people around you with the real God. Because at the end of the day, the real God doesn't need any help in being real. He doesn't need my help to be real and to prove how real He is. If there's a hundred million Muslims in the next 15 years in America, then America becomes the major mission field on planet Earth. And what greater place to live. And you don't even have to spend any money to travel. I'm just saying. So, what's the will of God? Rejoice. Right? And rejoice... When, when, rejoice when there's reasons not to rejoice. See? And, and, and pray when it seems overwhelming. And, and give thanks when there's a lot of unthankful things to meditate on. What does that do? That fills the cup up and over time rids the cup of the coffee. That fills, begins to fill faith up on the inside of you and rid fear from the inside of you that you've been taught. But I'm telling you tonight, you're farther along than you think you are. Say that. I'm farther along. Amen. You are farther along in faith and in confidence in God than you think you are. And when storms come, they come because of your faith. Because of your faith. So, remember this. I've got to finish this. Romans, four, uh, Romans um, 8 and verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. Remember Sunday we talked about Hebrews 2? That the fear of death is bondage. Fear and bondage go together. But we've received what? The spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father, greater is He that is in me than he that's in the world. Huh? He's done it all. Fear has no place in me. Fear has no dominion over my life. I cry out, Abba, Father, the greatness of God. I fill myself up in faith with how great God is and fear has no dominion over me. And I'm telling you, we've never lived in a time where there is such opportunity to yield to fear. But nobody can fill your world with fear but you.
Nobody. Nobody. No one has that right and authority except if you allow them to. I say we're going to give the devil and fear no place whatsoever. Can you say amen to that? So, fear and bondage go hand in hand. We see that. So, I want to, I want to end with this thought. 1 John 4 and verse 15. 1 John 4 and 15. Galatians 5, 6 says, Faith works by love. Faith works by love. And verse 15 says, Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. If you've confessed Jesus as your Savior, then God's in you and you're in him. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. For God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Verse 16, the first part of that. For we have known and believed the love that God has for us. There, to me, I believe, lies the key. And I'm, I'm telling you, and, and I mean, I, I'm included in all people that are born again. But the majority of people that are born again don't understand how much God loves them. Most people that are born again don't understand how much that God loves them. Because the more I understand how much God loves me, then the fear that something isn't going to happen or not work out will be in my life. God has delivered me and liberated me and you from fear. Fear has no dominion in us. But the only thing that will strengthen you and I to be able to stand up and resist the fear like Jesus did in the boat is when we know how much God loves us. When those guys ask him that question... Do you not care? You know what the real answer to that question is? They didn't believe that he cared. They didn't believe that he really cared. Notice, he didn't wake up and then have a little Bible study to explain what was going on. No, he cared and he resisted it. He commanded it to stop and it stopped. Right? Because he really cared. But then he said to them, Why are you so full of fear and how is it that you have no faith and confidence? title of my message tonight is, Love Produces Trust. Could you imagine that boat with all those guys on it? And they all trust God? (laughs) They They would all just slept through the storm. That's <laughs> why they're going to wake up. We're not moved by the storm. Jesus wasn't moved by the storm. Somebody had to get up and rebuke it. But what, would it what would the boat have been like had they all trusted? Well, in the book of Acts, we see a lot of times when they trusted, when fear didn't grip their heart. Some of them were thrown in jail. Some of them, they were going to have their heads cut off. Things were going to happen to them, but there was no fear. There's no fear in them. Why? Because they learned over time 
They learned over time how to trust the fact that God loved them. Most people are so riddled with mistakes and things they've done wrong that they think that God could never love them or care about them because of what they've done. And all that does is it that yields to fear and allows fear in, and then you're afraid that nothing in your life will ever happen, and you're never going to get to the end of things. Things aren't going to be corrected. So every opportunity that you have in a depressed-type situation, sow the, the joy of the Lord. Every opportunity where there's unkindness present, sow the kindness of God. Every opportunity where something is unlovely, sow the love of God. And the more you do it, what will it be like? It'll be like that water filling up my Starbucks cup and getting rid of that little bit in there. you You know why I use that as an example? Because you're farther along than you think. Your cup isn't full of coffee. There's a little bit in the bottom in a certain area, and you need it out. And then when that's out, then there'll be a little, another little area. And that's out, and there'll be another little area. And that gets out, and it just constant, giving fear no opportunity to rule and reign in our lives. I'm telling you, God loves you, and He cares about you, and He's empowered you to resist fear and then help other people resist fear and give fear no place. So every time there's an opportunity that it arises in its present, whatever the fearless situation or the, the, the fearful situation is, so the opposite, and you begin to see things in your life begin to change. We have to be actively doing that. If we're not actively doing it and giving in, then we tolerate things, and you know what we end up doing? We end up playing it safe. Well, I'm telling you what, Playing it safe is dangerous. You think, well, you know, I can't do that because that's dangerous. No, it's dangerous to play it safe. It's dangerous to not live by faith. It's dangerous to not develop the love of God and to know not just how to love God, but to know that God loves you and then you love that way. You know, you know what the difference is in you trying to love God versus understanding that God loves you and then you love that way? The big difference is forgiveness. Forgiveness. See, when you're trying to love someone that's unlovely, they're going to do something that's going to tick you off. But when you understand how much God loves you and forgave you for everything you've done, then you can turn around and have a lot of forgiveness and compassion on the mistakes that other people make. That's the difference. And it rids us of fear. I know I'm going, but I've got to finish this. First Timothy, or 2 Timothy chapter 7 Chapter 1 is not chapter 7. <laughs> There's not a 7 in 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 4. 3. 2. 1. Double zero. No. Verse 3. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day. This is, this is Father Paul sending son Timothy in the faith a letter. Now watch this. Greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of what? Your tears. 
So Timmy, Timmy's been crying. Timmy's been having some storms in life. Timmy's been having a tough time. Right? Timmy's been, you know, I mean, he's been fighting the good fight, but it's like there's no faith. Watch what, watch what the forgiving Paul says. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, doesn't look like it's there, but it's there, right? Which dwelt first in your grandmother and in your mother, and I am persuaded is in you also. <laughs> He's confident and persuaded that that faith is down there inside of crying little Timmy. Frustrated little Timmy. Hmm? Storm-tossed Timothy. Frustrated Timothy because things haven't come to pass. God promised all this stuff, but it's not come to pass, and there's some tears involved. He said, but I'm telling you, the faith is on the inside of you. It was with your grandmother and with your mother, and I believe I'm persuaded that it's on the inside of you. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. God has not given you fear, but He's given you a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a spirit of a sound and a well-balanced mind, and that's what you've got to be actively operating in. You've got to actively be operating not in yielding to fear. You've got to actively be operating in the spirit and the authority and the power to resist the issues and the things that come. Not, not timidity and pulling back, but having power and the love of God and a mind that is sound and balanced and, and, and calm and at peace. So that fear won't have an in, inroad into your life. Because the only way that fear can rule in your life is if you yield to it and you allow it. No other way. No other way. God did not give it to you. Say that after me. God did not give it to me. He did not give you fear. Can you say amen to that? He did not give you fear. 